It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The union forever, ah, boys, hurrah, down with the trainer, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on K News FM 98.5. This is Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases, and it has been my honor to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners, and I have served the Superior Court repeatedly as special master. Last week, I spoke with Victor and Debbie Early and Debbie Peterson about the campaign to recall Grover Beach Mayor Bright and council members Zimmerman and Rushing. And we heard from Eric Vitale, a senior district attorney's investigator about impersonator real estate fraud. If you missed those interviews, you can log on to knews985.com. That's K-N-E-W-S 985.com for the podcasts. And if you don't see the program you want, there is a link down the page to all the Slow County Public Policy and the Law interviews from the beginning of time. We learned today that the city manager of San Luis Obispo, Derek Johnson, well, he, he was scheduled to come on this show but he's not going to because he's, quote, transitioning to Marin County. But uh, he won't be here next week. We did have him scheduled to appear and talk about the city of San Luis Obispo. Hopefully we can get the mayor or some other city official in to do that. We do have an important guest because March 5th is coming up. That's Election Day. And the only supervisorial race in San Luis Obispo County is in the 5th District. We've already had one candidate on, and we're going to have Susan Funk join me next weekend, and she's going to tell you why she thinks you should vote to make her supervisor from the 5th District. I hope you'll join me. In our first hour today, I'm honored to have State Senator Brian Dolly to tell listeners about a bill he has authored that makes practical changes that improve law enforcement's ability to prosecute criminal charges against felons. Uh, And and this is one of those examples, uh, listeners, where a small change can have a huge effect in public policy. Senator Brian Dolly was born in Redding and represents the 1st Senate District in the northeast corner of California. From the Oregon border to include Mount Shasta, Redding, Lake Tahoe, and I believe even Placerville. And later this hour, we will hear from Republican candidate for the 24th Congressional District, Thomas Cole. But Senator Dolly is in the House. Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, Senator Dolly. Well, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be on. I just, uh, first of all, want to give you a little background on the bill. So uh, county service officers are really where the bill's targeted at, and those are folks who go out and they get testimony they talk to the witnesses, they talk to the victim, but they do not talk to the perpetrator. Ah. Or, or the, so so they, this bill would only affect the witnesses and victims. And so what happens is they take the testimony 
and they cannot be uh, they cannot use it in court t- today because they're not a sworn peace officer. So this bill basically says that if you are a, a county service officer, or um, you have the ability with you. So you have to have the same training. You have to have five years of training. You have to have post training. All the same things. Uh, that a sworn officer would have, um, but this bill does not require you to be a sworn officer to actually administer that testimony in court. So what does it do for the victim and the witnesses? So many victims don't want to have to go face their perpetrator again, nor do they want to uh, relive it. Right. So this allows them to be able to do it. It also frees up sworn peace officers to be out on the street, you know, making our communities safe. And so this actually came from the chief of police in Reading, uh, which I represent, came to us and said, hey, you know, we have a lot of these sworn officers tied up at court when we have these community service officers who can come in and do the work. And so that's where the bill is. It took me two years to get it out of public safety, but we got out of public safety and we got it off of the Senate floor. I think the vote was, I think I got 34 out of 40. Yeah. And uh, we're headed we're headed to the assembly. Well, I, I did notice uh, on your website that it... Uh it had gone over to the assembly, and it was uh, held, it sounds like, on the speaker's desk at this point. Is that... Uh, any- yeah, well, it's it's going to hopefully get set in public safety, which is where it needs to go uh, on the assembly side. And then um, I'm assuming we'll get there, hopefully. There has been a lot of trouble in the public safety arena, but we've had change in uh, both the pro-TIM on the Senate side, and, uh, you know, just recently we got a new speaker, so we'll see... Um, how the process goes, but we at least got it to the other house, and it's a good common sense bill. I, 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 when I was on the floor, I mentioned that you know there's a lot of these these people are not carrying guns, and there's a lot of Democrats who don't want any they don't want any law enforcement. But this is a good common sense bill. If this was a Democrat carrying the bill, it would have flew out of the House or the Senate. And so I made that point, but we did get 34, and hopefully we'll get to through the assembly process and onto the governor, so we can free up our sworn officers to do their job uh, at the same time still hold the integrity of a non-sworn officer to um, be able to testify. Well, and when I when I read the bill, I mean, it's a very intuitive and, and a, I think a good advance. It, it means that somebody who works for a small department who maybe is in the forensics side of the department, uh, you know, as long as they're a uniformed full-time employee and have the experience... If they go out to a crime scene and they hear witnesses say things, they can actually tell a judge that in the preliminary hearing. When you've got a small town with a small police force, uh, there there just may not be enough officers to uh, uh, do that kind of work um, and provide judges with the information they need. So I, I, I noticed that you had a number of different kinds of folks uh, in the bill. Uh, where did you come up with the uh, list of folks to include as civilian uh, law enforcement uh, employees? Well, these are folks that are already in that field. And remember, they have to have you know the same post-training, which a peace officer has to have, and they yep. have to have five years' experience, which a peace officer um, doesn't always have to have. So we've actually increased it. We also added to it that if, if there is a sworn officer, uh, so this will actually strengthens a sworn officer. If they are uh, lying under test, uh, lying about their testimony, um, they lose their job. And yeah. so that, it strengthens the, uh, the regular peace officer's bill. At the same time, you know, we're, as you mentioned earlier, small forces or just 
trying to recruit people who want to be in law enforcement has been difficult over the last uh, four or five years. And so these agencies and these small departments or big ones are having a hard time actually keeping up with the work that they need to be doing, which is keeping our streets and our community safe mm-hmm. because they're tied up in court. And so this bill is a common-sense approach to, again, it's strengthening the existing law. It's allowing, it has the same training. So there's no really drawback from this bill. It actually strengthens it. It's common sense. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, there are some legislators. We had, we had opposition from, can't remember what the group was, ACLU, the DAs um, weighed in, but they weren't really strong. I don't know why the DAs would... Same training, so we're kind we're, of surprising. We have a actually, work to do. It's a good common sense bill, and hopefully, it'll get signed into law, and we can, you know, put our deputies back on the street and still serve those victims and witnesses that don't want to have to relive that all again uh, by giving it to a, a sworn officer. Well, and they may they may very well be willing to come in and testify at the trial, but they may be so traumatized that uh, going to the preliminary hearing may uh, just be too much. Um, now, now we've had uh, Senator Laird on here, by the way. He's our state senator. And yes, know he, him well. He's spoken very highly of you uh, uh, in uh, working with you on uh, ways to protect natural resources in the Sierras. Have you been able to work with him on this bill? Uh, yes, I believe he supported it. I've, we are really good friends. We, we were friends before um, I came into the legislature because he authored a bill called with the Sierra Nevada Conservancy, and I supported that when mm-hmm. I was the county supervisor. And then he became resources secretary after he authored that bill, and so we developed a re- relationship um, over the years. He's a really, really close friend of mine. We don't agree on, there's a lot of things we don't agree on, but there's a lot of things we do agree on. And we focus on the things we agree on and work together. He's been a very good advocate for my district, um, the Sierras. Uh, so he actually did the bill that made a conservancy there. He's been very focused in on my forestry bills that I have uh, authored, and he's been, uh, when he was in resources agency, he actually helped um, make sure those laws that we passed actually got implemented. So, yeah, Senator Laird and I are, um, I go way back, and I, I respect him. He's, um, he's a hardworking uh, senator, and um, we get along great. We, we, and we don't, you know, it's the way it should be. If you disagree, that's fine, but it's not personal. Yeah. Ever. No, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. Now, we have two assembly members that represent our listening audience. Uh, we have uh, Assemblywoman Addis and Assemblyman Hart. Uh, do you know what their uh, thoughts are on this bill? And and if uh, listeners want to support uh, SB eight hundred four, do you recommend that they contact? Us? Yes, absolutely. If you want to keep your deputies on the street, you want to make sure they're the ones that are there or even more accountable for their testimony, and you want uh, the ability for people who ha- or don't carry a gun to be able to testify in court, um, this is a great bill. And so, yeah, I have not met with them yet on the bill. Um, we hopefully get the bill set in public safety, and i got to get through that process first, and then we'll get to the floor and uh, see what happens. Well, I uh, wish you luck on it. I think this is a wonderful step forward, and it's just a practical small change that can have a big effect. Are there are there other bills you're working on right now uh, that you want to let listeners know about, uh, Senator Oh, yeah, Bennett? I can't tell you the numbers of them, but I'm doing a bill to hopefully uh, be able to harden your home and it'll be a tax credit uh, for fire. Actually, uh, uh, the pro tem, Mike McGuire, and I did it a couple of years ago, so I'm carrying a bill that does that. I'm also um, always constantly working on ways to reduce uh, 
regulations and and help people, you know, drive down their costs. We, we've had a huge hit on our insurance, and so that bill uh, will give you a tax break if you actually are able to, um, you know, harden your home. So that's one that we're working on. Um, we have quite a few other bills that we're, um, you know, we've authored. We haven't heard anything in committee yet, so we're, we're constantly um, uh, working to make California a better place. I'm one of the only senators in the out of the 40 that actually runs a business. I have employees and so I'm constantly talking about how hard it is to have a business in California and why you, business. You have a seed business, don't you? Yes, we raise uh, cereal grains for seed, and and we're organic. But it's tough to do business in California, and we've seen a lot of businesses leave California. And that's I think the reason that we're seeing such a deficit because the stock market's roaring and um, California's hurting. So that's the businesses are leaving, and we know they are. And it's hard to get them back. Those are taxpayers, and we have an influx of people that are coming in that aren't uh, as high taxpayers, and that's causing the problem we have with our deficit. Ah, okay. Well, Senator, I want to thank you for coming on Slow County Public Policy and the Law. If there's ever anything you want to get out to the uh, central coast of California, you be sure and uh, contact us, and we'll have you on again. Well, I appreciate it. My son is going to Cal Poly, so we were there last weekend. Well, and we love the community. You can, you can come into the studio when you're here. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do that. Soon. Oh, all right. Thank you. Thank for, you. Bye bye now. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be speaking with Thomas Cole, who is the Republican candidate running in the 24th congressional district. He's running against uh, Salud Carbajal. Uh, But before we get there, I have a little news to share with my listeners. So we've made two different attempts to have uh, San Luis Obispo's city manager, Derek Johnson, come on the uh, show. And uh, he's made appointments, and each time uh, an unavoidable conflict has uh, apparently arisen. But uh, today I learned that the conflict might be a permanent one because he is apparently... Uh, to quote uh, his aide, transitioning to Marin County from San Luis Obispo. Now, uh, I'm not sure what job he's taking up there, but uh, apparently there's going to be an opening for a new city manager in the city of San Luis Obispo coming up lickety-split. So that's apparently why Mr. Johnson will not be on the show next weekend. I want to let folks know that even though he was scheduled, we are going to have an excellent guest in his place. And then after that, we're going to have Susan Funk, who is running for the 5th District seat for the Board of Supervisors. She's going to be on to tell listeners why she thinks you ought to elect her to the Board of Supervisors. Thanks for staying tuned to Slow County Public Policy and the Law. We just um, had a very nice talk with uh, State Senator Brian Dolly about his uh, SB 804 bill that improves things in for law enforcement. But now it's a real pleasure to bring back Thomas Cole, who is running for the 24th congressional seat. Welcome to the show again, Thomas. Thank you, Stuart. Good to be here. I uh, I wanted to remind our listeners what the communities are that are in the 24th district. Uh, so go ahead and tell folks what part of California you're running for Congress from. Right. This is uh, a district that covers uh, from Atascadero, which is in San Luis Obispo County, uh, clear down uh, along the coast uh, to all of Santa Barbara County, uh, 
Santa Maria, all the uh, cities along the coast, and it goes clear down to Ventura, the city. The city of Ventura. The, the bottom of Ventura, so I got three counties. I, I'm traveling all over the place getting uh, endorsements from three counties. But that's uh, that's what it entails. It's a lot of driving. I, I do uh, uh, having uh, run for office myself. I know that you, uh, you you it becomes a full time job just to get out there and talk to people. So yeah, I, I like to do it. I, I do Zoom as well. It, that seems pretty good in some cases uh-huh. too. So. Sure. Well, I we've had uh, we had uh, Congressman Carbajal on, and we've had. Congressman Panetta on to talk about the uh, National Security and Border Act of 2024 that was uh, filibustered in the Senate, but mm, I, I understand that there's a standalone bill on just the Ukraine, Israeli, and uh, Taiwanese uh, defense bill in the House now uh, that was part of that bill. And, and some of the folks, I understand, are trying to tack on now uh, the border aspects uh, in the House of Representatives. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to uh, tell listeners what you thought of the National Security and Border Act of 2024 and how you'd be voting on it if it did get to the House and you were there. Yeah, thank you. I, I did prepare, uh, having this bill in front of me, reading through it, uh, today. It's uh, pretty short, considering it's like only seven pages long, the, the Senate bill. Mm-hmm. And it uh, proposes to give money to help Ukraine and help Taiwan and help uh, other nations that need help. It even gives money to uh, Arab nations. And the first thing I wanted to put forward is like have a set of metrics that I want to just talk about briefly. This would be like coal's funding metrics because people need to know what what standards I might have. And there's just four or five points here. Uh, one is that I I would not be funding proxy wars since I'm the pro peace Republican. Okay. <laughs> Number one on my list is no funding proxy wars. And that'll become clear as we as I talk more about this. Um, I also don't fund uh, open U.S. borders. I'm not somebody that would fund that. I'm a close-the-borders guy, make America safe. Um, number three, I, I'm against funding belligerent states. And this is the third one. Uh, for instance, Gaza, I consider as a belligerent state. I would not fund Gaza. Um and I'll, with that, I would say no funding of Arab nations because they're already rich. I don't think we need to fund them, but we are. Um, and, uh, you know, the colliery to all that is that we support peace through strength and diplomacy rather than funding proxy wars with uh, money that we don't have. And this is, this is the other side of that funding issue is that... Um, the U.S. is broke. We should face it. Um, many senators are facing it, a handful, like Rand Paul. And uh, any money that we send to uh, Ukraine or uh, Taiwan is, is borrowed money. And so we don't have the money. We shouldn't spend it. 
and we shouldn't borrow it from China and put it onto the backs of our young people to support a proxy war. So now with all that said, <laughs> you know, those are my metrics that can be used. And so we're looking at the bill um, right off the bat, you know, assistance to Ukraine. And it's $15 billion for use, you know, support of Ukraine through military training, intelligence, and another uh, $43 billion for war capacity, munitions capacity. Well, now, you, you, uh, you, you disagree with the New York Post then, uh, which noted that the, uh, the, the $40 billion was basically money that was going to U.S. Uh, jobs and defense industry uh, to boost our economy, but by building the ammunition and the missiles and the, uh, you know, anti, uh, anti-missile uh, equipment that we're sending to Ukraine, um, we were sending to Ukraine before uh, the funding got cut off. Um, do you disagree with the fact that most of that money is actually staying here and, and generating more, more economic uh, benefit for uh, Americans? Well, I disagree that that is a good enough reason to fund a proxy war against a nuclear-armed opponent, Russia, okay. with money that we don't have. Uh, that That's, you know, no matter how you spend the money for war, whether it goes to our munitions people who then send it to Ukraine, it's still funding a proxy war. So it's like a broken record. It simply will not fund proxy wars. We don't belong in Ukraine in the first place is my position as a peace Republican. I will stand by that position because, uh, you know, Ukraine war has been a waste, a waste of life, a terrible tragedy that, that should have been avoided. And for uh, many reasons, the moving NATO into Ukraine was a trigger that simply should not have been done. And it's against various treaties over the years that were made even clear back in uh, Jim Baker's times uh, when uh, we had treaties made with Ukraine. Thomas, we're, we're coming up on a hard break NATO here for the news. Out of Ukraine. And so Thomas, <laughs> we're, coming, is, we're coming up on yes, a hard sir. break for the news, so uh, we're going to yes. come back to that. Stay tuned, folks. Right after the news, we're going to have more discussion with congressional candidate Thomas Cole. <laughs> 